It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. What's up, Kinfolk? Welcome to the number one college football show. I am your host, RJ Young. Thank you for watching on the Fox Sports app, YouTube, or listening wherever you get your podcast. Today on the show, we have our USFL Player of the Week interview with Memphis Showboats quarterback Cole Kelly. It's a fun one. I'm looking forward to sharing that with you. We're also going to talk about the sons of former football greats. And we'll take a look at, are they thriving? How are they doing? But first, let's talk about the 2024 College Football Hall of Fame ballot. And I have taken five of those names of the more than 200 plus on the ballot to talk about just which one of these dudes I think is kind of amazing. And four out of the five guys here are on the ballot for the first time. And that's significant, right? Because it is a high barrier for entry to get into the College Football Hall of Fame as a player. The first is you have to be a first-team All-American as designated by an NCAA selector. So if you hear some version of first-team All-American in each one of these guys, just know. Matter of fact, we might not even mention it because now you know. So let's go one through five here. And at number one, obvious for me, Virginia Tech quarterback Michael Vick. Okay. I can give you the stats. I can tell you he was 11-0 in the regular season. I can tell you that he took Va Tech to a national championship game. I can tell you he blew out two defenders' ACLs in the same damn game. Or I can just tell you, hey, look, we had a rule when we were playing NCAA and Madden. Wasn't nobody allowed to play with Virginia Tech because Mike Vick was that quarterback. He had cheat code. That was impossible. You're not going to do anything with a dude that takes a three-step drop and flicks the ball 70 yards down the field. You're not going to do anything with a dude whose 40-yard dash is so fast that he is a joke in Donald Glover's Atlanta. You're not going to do anything with a dude that went to jail, came back, and steal code in the NFL. You're just not going to do nothing with that. I expect Mike Vick to get in in the 2024 class. Voters, do your part. Number two here, let's go with Pittsburgh wide receiver Larry Fitzgerald. Again, Pittsburgh. I didn't care nothing about no Pittsburgh. Most people in Pittsburgh don't care about the Panthers. They'd be like, we got another football team other than the Steelers? For real? Yes. And not only that, number one was a walking, talking catch. Matter of fact, they put Larry Fitzgerald on the cover of NCAA to make up putting Joey Harrington on the cover of NCAA. I don't need nothing like that to never happen no more ever again. But you get it. That dude was absolutely special. 2003 Big East Offensive Player of the Year. Had 11 school records in just two seasons at Pitt. Also, my favorite Larry Fitzgerald thing. The man had more tackles in the NFL than he had drops because they kept the statistics. And anecdotally, 
Larry Fitzgerald never dropped a pass. I can't point to no stats in college. I can't tell you where to find that stat in college. I just know that didn't nobody see Larry Fitzgerald come down with without the ball, right? That's what we're talking about. 1,400 passes that he caught in the NFL, 29 dropped, 37 tackles. That's ridiculous. Number three on the list, Terrell Suggs coming out of Arizona State. Now, I can tell you a lot of things about Terrell Suggs, but what I would lead with is he's still chasing you. It, 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 he ain't played football in uh, doggone year, 10 years. He's still chasing you. You you are still going to go down if you have the football because that's what that man was. He had 24 sacks in one season of football, 31 and a half tackles for loss in one season of football, 2002 pack 10 defensive player of the year and has ranked second all time in tackles for loss and sacks for 65 and a half, 44 sacks in his career. I mean, Outside of Vontez Burfick, I can't think of a player I love more at Arizona State, and there are a lot of good players to choose from at Arizona State. But something about them dudes that be chasing down these quarterbacks or pointing a finger over the top going, it's your day-to-day out there like Alvin Mack telling stories, that does it for me. That's Terrell Suggs. Number four on the list, Ole Miss offensive tackle Michael Orr. Michael, you protect his blind side. That's, that's who we're talking about here. Now, when the movie came out, I was I was apoplectic because I read Michael Lewis's book, and Michael Lewis's book is really, really, really good. It's not to say the movie's bad. It's just I'm an English teacher. The book is always going to be better. But also, this was a three-time All-SEC performer, and he captained 47 straight games for Ole Miss, and he is the reason that you know Ben Jarvis Green Ellis's name. I take that back. Maybe you know it because Bill Simmons called him law firm. But I knew him when he was just Ben Jarvis at Ole Miss. You know what I'm saying? Like, uh, some, something about that just appeals to me. And Michael Orr had a great career in the NFL, and I'm very excited to see him on this ballot. And I'm sure everybody associated with that book is, too. Number five on the list, I actually had to fight about this because uh, our social maven, Javion Duncan, is always trying to tell me, like, RJ, I need you to whittle it to five. I'm like, I can't. I can't. Twelve-year-old me is so mad right now because I have Peter Warwick Coming out of Florida State at number five. I wanted to put work done. I couldn't put work done. I had to put Peter Ward because Peter Ward could do stuff like what you're watching on the screen right here. Cheat code. Like, what is this? You, you bring the man down. Make the tackle. You know, it's one thing about football that I absolutely love. Is you got a football coach on the sideline going, son, how could you let him run by you? And you as a player have no choice but to say, I didn't let him do a damn thing. That's what Peter Work was. Peter Work was so cold at Florida State that Bobby Bowden could afford to leave Randy Moss on the bench. I can't make you understand better than that. That's how cold this first team, All-American, consensus in 98, unanimous in 99. Peter Work made me a Florida State fan for a liggity split second, dog. Like I was, I was all in because what nine could do with a football was amazing. And remember, Prime was still playing. And this was the closest thing to seeing Prime that I had ever seen in my life because I wasn't around for Deion Sanders playing at Florida State. I was around Peter Ward playing at Florida State to say nothing of work done, say nothing. But Florida State was the squad in the 90s if you want to talk about swag. I'm, I'm just trying to let y'all know, kiddos. That's what I'm trying to let y'all know. All right, those are just five of the more than 200 people on the ballot for the 2024 class. Induction takes place or announcement of 
who's going to be inducted takes place in December, but I think they're going to have the votes tallied by like July 1 of this year, and they're just going to sit on that news until the season is over with. So take a look. Tell me what you think. I'm sure I left somebody off that is worthy because, again, it's college football. All we do is make monsters that, ah, come out and scare the hell out of your team or superheroes that put their team on their back, and these are all those guys. So let's go from that list of greats to another list of greats, the sons of former football greats in college football who are thriving. Full disclosure, we can only do this segment during the summer, right? And it's the only time that I actually got to earn my paycheck when we got to figure out what we're going to talk about in the month of June, headed into July for media days. So I'm looking at it. I'm going, what if we just talk about, you know, dudes that are the progeny of prodigies and tell like what you mean. I'm like, cool. Let me give you an example of what I need. Ohio State wide receiver Marvin Harrison Jr. is the son of Pro Football Hall of Famer. Marvin Harrison Sr. I'm using one that you know, that I know that you know, so you can see where we're headed here. But suffice it to say, Marvin Harrison Sr. averaged 85 catches at 1,100 yards with 10 TDs for 13 years in the NFL. Last year, Marvin Harrison Jr. caught 77 passes for 1,263 yards with 14 TDs. How do you tell me that you are wide receiver one without telling me you are wide receiver one? You could just say, my name is Marvin Harrison and I'm a Martian. Because I am not of this world. Okay. Next on the list, again, you're going to see where I'm going. Colorado quarterback Shador Sanders is the son of one of the five best athletes in American history, Dion Primetime Sanders, who also doubles as the head coach at Colorado, where Shador is quarterback. Now, I got a lot of things I can say about Shador Sanders, and I've said them and I will continue to say them. Like last year, there were only three quarterbacks across three divisions that had. Seasons of passing for 3,500 yards, 40 TDs, and fewer than six interceptions. C.J. Stroud, Caleb Williams, and Shadour Sanders. But I can even go farther than that. I could say that dude won the Jerry Rice Award in 2021, which is given to the nation's best freshman across the country and the first HBCU player to win the damn trophy named after an HBCU player. I can even go further, and I could say things like Sanders won the Deacon Jones Trophy Last year, which is given to the nation's top HBCU player. I can even say that there is more on Shadour Sanders right now than there was on Shaq Leonard coming out of South Carolina State. But the thing that I really want to drive home here is Shadour's from Texas. And I don't mean Houston, Texas. I don't mean West Texas. I don't mean Central Texas. I mean from Texas. And when I say from Texas, he was born in Tyler, Texas. Ain't nothing soft coming out of, out of Tyler, Texas. Ain't, ain't, ain't nothing soft coming out of Tyler, Texas. It ain't happening. You know? And the reason I can tell you that is the damn Tyler Rose is Earl Campbell. So we might call him a Rose, but anybody that watched any film of Earl Campbell knows ain't nobody want to tackle that Peterbilt on full tilt going down the highway because that's what it was. You come out of Tyler, Texas, you got something to you. And that's what they got in Colorado. Very excited to see what that dude can do for them. Next on the list. Again, you're going to see where I'm going here. Frank Gore Jr. is the son of former 2001 Miami Hurricane Nash champion running back and 16-year NFL vet Frank Gore Sr. Okay? So last year, Southern Miss, which is my mama's alma mater, who is the biggest Frank Gore Jr. fan that you might never have heard of, led the team in rushing with 800 yards, 179 carries, four and a half yards. He's had the best rushing season by any guy 
who's a golden eagle since Edo Smith rushed for like 1,400. Dude could play. The USC wide receiver Brendan Rice is the father of maybe the greatest football player of all time in Jerry Rice, right? Now, enough to say, if that don't cook your ramen, son, you in the wrong soup kitchen, okay? Because I, I get fired up knowing that sort of stuff. Penn State wide receiver DB Christian Driver is the son of Super Bowl winning Green Bay Packer wide receiver Donald Driver. Now, I say wide receiver and DB because on the roster, Christian Driver is listed as an athlete. Like that, it says ATH next to his name, which is kind of wild. Red shirt in 2022, but played his high school ball down the street from me in Flower Mound for Jason Witten at Liberty Christian, where he went both ways and helping them in TAPS, which is the Texas Association of Private and Parochial Schools. Another way of saying private Christian schools that don't play against ISDs because ISDs will whoop their ass. But he won the long jump 6A title, and that's even in taps, that's no mean feat. Like, like that, that means something to us. Also, Donald Driver is 100% that dude. Like, I put him on my all-time HBCU team a couple years back, and he was very excited about it. I even got one of my homies called me out, but like, dude, Donald Driver? Yes, because that man made it to the league and showed out in the league coming out of HBCU in the 21st century. Show me somebody else, right? All right, next on the list, we got LSU tight end Mason Taylor. Or excuse me. I got ahead of myself. Michigan State wide receiver Antonio Gates Jr. We're going to get to Mason. Mason, we're going to get to you, I promise. But that dude is the father of, or is the son of Antonio Gates Sr., three-time first-team All-Pro. But the thing I love about Antonio Gates is, my God, Baker Mayfield went from walk-on to Heisman. Gates Sr. went from Joe to pro. Like, that dude was undrafted and was an All-Pro. That doesn't happen, right? He also is the NFL's all-time leader in tight end catches with 116. And his kiddo, Antonio Gates Jr., can absolutely play. Fifth best product coming out of the state of Michigan in his class. 55 catches, 925 yards, 16 TDs with two picks in his last year of high school football. And as a wide receiver at Michigan State, Keon Coleman is gone. And they figure out who the quarterback is going to be. I would not be surprised to see Antonio Gates Jr. is getting some run, even six foot two, 190. Now I'm on LSU tight end, Mason Taylor, who is – the son of 2006 NFL Defense Player of the Year and three-time first-team All-Pro, Jason Taylor. And his uncle is Zach Thomas. And his auntie is Joy Taylor, who's over there doing Speak for Yourself with the man Acho. Look, Mason Taylor is fast becoming one of the better tight ends in all the country. And a lot of that comes down to what he did last year as a true freshman. 38 passes caught in 14 games, 14, uh, 414 yards, including the biggest play of his life against Alabama in a game that absolutely won them the SEC West. I think the dude could be great, but also you look at Brian Kelly, he's got a pretty damn good track record of producing tight ends here of late. And then last year we got, uh, or two more here, we got Tennessee defensive back Christian Harrison, who is the son of two-time Super Bowl champion Rodney Harrison. Now Rodney Harrison also leads the NFL in most sacks by a safety with 30 and a half all time, and then has the most tackles in any Super Bowls like combined two bowls with 33 and his kid Christian could play top 50 player coming out of state of Georgia, picked off five passes for two forced fumbles as a senior. And then Stanford running back EJ Smith is the son of pro football hall of famer Emmett Smith. I can tell you more about Emmett Smith, but like if that is not putting the rub on your brisket, son, you in the wrong barbecue pit because Emmett is it. And EJ I mean, you could do a lot worse than being all academic, come out of Stanford, which is a place that I'm sure that, hell, I'd fail out of, let alone play football and go to Stanford, all right? 
All right, that is going to do it for that list. Now, let's go talk to another outstanding player in college football who is the quarterback of the hottest team in the USFL. That is Cole Kelly. I'm pleased to be joined by Memphis Showboat's quarterback, Cole Kelly. Cole, how you doing? I'm doing all right, man. I appreciate y'all having me on. Now, dude, I'm excited to have you because you are the quarterback for the hottest team in the USFL, right? Y'all start out 0-3 and you've won five straight. What do you think the strength of that program, that club, has been over the last five weeks? Man, I think it's just the number one thing about us, the best thing about us is how close we are. Um, seriously, I mean, we that's why, you know, we're playing really good complimentary football, which is extremely important. And, you know, that that what goes in with that is the closeness of this team. Whenever one side's lacking, the other side picks it up. But uh, if we're talking specifics, our defense has been playing lights out, making my job real easy. So that's been real, real nice. Yeah, I mentioned earlier in the week that that defense has 11 interceptions in eight games and y'all lead yeah. the USFL in turnover margin at plus five. So yeah. you're also taking care of the football on the offensive side. And that's that's a big part of the defense being able to do its job. But I want to no take problem. a step back to you and talk about, you know, just how closely you were playing college football last year. I want to say that you said you were a year removed. Uh -huh. One year out. So how has it been the transition from college to pro well it's nice man you know I, out of college i signed with the washington commanders as an undrafted free agent i got to go through otas and camp with them and re released the first week of the preseason and i think just that little dosage right there kind of got my feet wet and got, i got to learn this business the football aspect isn't all isn't really that much different you know i was i was fortunate enough to have some really good coaches in college along my college career so uh, i think i was like prepared on the football aspect of things. But once you get to this level, there, you know, there's some other aspects, you know, it's not just about football anymore. And um, so I think just that little, that little experience in Washington kind of prepared me for this one. I'd say, because I'm going to lay it out for people that don't know, because that one of the, my favorite things about doing these interviews and covering the USFL is I'm a college football junkie and I watch it all and I pay attention to it all. So when I see the rosters, I'm going, y'all don't understand. Every one of these dudes can play. And I'm going to yeah. illustrate that by just going down your resume right quick. Like before you get to Southeastern Louisiana, that's a losing program, right? They go four and seven. 2019, y'all go eight and five, right? 2021, you put together the best season by any player in the FCS, right? Going for over 307 games, you put up 462 and four tutties on Sam Houston State in a season where they went 10-0 and and won the national championship. You were 9-4 in 2021. You gave Skip Holtz's LaTeX, Rustin, mm. uh, stand up, Bulldogs to yeah. business. 9-4 yeah. in 2022, you make the playoffs. Like, you're a winner, biggin. Like, that's, I mean, I'm looking at Memphis, and yes, with you behind center, you got a chance to win. So I'm going to ask, is that innate to you? What are you doing differently? How can, can we have whatever it is you got and put it into a bottle so I can take it myself? Oh, man, I'm not one to talk about. I'm not good at talking about myself much, to be honest with you. But honestly, it, it really, truthfully, is is the testament to this football team and our coaches. It really is, man. Like I said, I mean, we were just talking about our defense has been playing lights out, special teams, lights out. I mean, our kicker made six field goals last week. Every time we return a kick, uh, we get the ball at like the 50. So, I mean, 
they make my job so easy, man. Offensive line, wide receivers making plays, running backs, running the ball well, tight ends. It, it really is, man. But um, I'll just say, you know, the best the, – the thing about me is, you know, throughout my career, we're talking about a little bit of Arkansas and stuff like that. You know, I've been through a lot ups and downs, which happens all the time in football. So um, I think that has just kind of grown me, you know, those experiences and matured me to where, like, my favorite thing about football and being a quarterback is the leadership aspect of it, you know, because it is it, it, it's a very difficult game. Uh, it, it, it's it, our, our special teams coach, Coach Frank, all the time says it's simple, but it's not easy. Watching the film and stuff, it's simple, but on the field, it's really not easy, man. It's a game of extreme focus, discipline, and, and energy and execution. And, uh, you know, I just, I, I just, I'm always saying that stuff, you know, gotta stay focused, gotta stay focused. As soon as you lose focus, you know, bad stuff starts to happen. And uh, it's very easy to do that. So, so I'm just, you know, that's my favorite thing, the camaraderie of it and being with a group of guys, especially like the team we have now, man, really great group of guys. And uh, they really make me look good. Yo, man, I think that that part of the journey is so very important because Coach Gans is one of the best special teams coaches in this awesome. league, if not yeah. in football, right? I mean, he coordinated. Basically, he said, put Derek Dillon back deep because if it goes short, he'll take it back. And that's that's exactly yeah. what happened. 59-yard field goal goes short. He ties for the longest play in football with a 109-yard yeah. return for a TD. But I also want to just get back to you for a bit here, right? Because it's one thing to be able to do that in between the lines. Football is hard. It does take a lot of focus. It does take a lot of energy. It does take a lot of effort. But life is more difficult, right? And you, every football coach, every football player would tell me the same thing. So I want to take it back to Arkansas. And I just also want to mention the number of Razorbacks or guys that played for the Razorbacks that are in this league, along with you, LaMichael Petway, Cheyenne O'Grady, Alex Collins, who's teammate of yours at Memphis. But, dog, like, you had one of the great comeback wins I think I've ever seen. Like, I'm, I live in Tulsa, Oklahoma. So, Arkansas is home base, right? So, y'all yeah. playing against Ole Miss. Y'all down 31-7, and then they bring you in. Tell me what happens. Oh, man. Uh, that feels like it was, you know, a while back. You know, I spent six years in college, and I think that was my redshirt freshman year. But, no, I, I still remember it. I think it I think it was the long, biggest comeback in Arkansas history, if I'm not mistaken. And, um, man, I just remember, you know, and like I said, that's part of my growing experience right there. You know, never, never say never. Because like you said, 31-7, and what are you going to do, quit? Like, it's not my DNA, and it's not a lot of football and athlete, uh, football players and athletes' DNA. Um, so, I mean, we just kept at it, and we had a few good plays, touchdowns, defense turned them over. You know, a lot of really good things happened for us. And that's the way football goes, man. It's you have down, there's there's downs, but there's ups too. And you just gotta keep working and stay focused and keep grinding. You can't can't lose that focus like we were talking about and, and that effort. You know, you just gotta stay at it and good things will start to happen. You win that game 38-37, yeah, right? Yeah. Uh, and then the next week you have a hard time against LSU, and that feels like the beginning of something new for you. Can you encapsulate for me the last two seasons that you had at Arkansas? Yeah, um, you know, uh, it was Brett Bielema, who's now the head coach at Illinois, who recruited me there. And the last two seasons, he was the the first one. So I, it was two seasons I was with him, my redshirt year and my redshirt freshman. And, um, you know, our starter goes down, and then I start to play my first start. Oh, man, maybe Coastal Carolina, or maybe it was Ole Miss. I don't know, but one of them. And um, 
you know, we win, we win a couple and then we play Auburn, Auburn, Alabama and LSU, you know, and that's um, some pretty, pretty good teams right there. And, you know, but that's, that's what you love. That's why I went to Arkansas, man. I'm from Louisiana, didn't get an LSU offer. You know, that's, that's why I went there was to beat these good teams. Cause you ever, I mean, I want to be great. It's in my DNA. And, um, you know, but I learned a lot like that. It was a lot different. I was very confident and honestly, even uh, a cocky coming out of high school. I thought, man, I was, I was, I thought I was it, you know, I thought I was it. And then I realized, you know, it's a lot more. You ain't just going to put your cleats on, strap it up and go out there and ball on game day. You got to, you got to put some serious preparation into it the week leading up to it and even earlier. And uh, so that's one thing I learned right there because the dudes on the other side of the ball can play too. And so that's one thing I learned there. And, uh, you know, I've taken that with me since then. So you go from Arkansas to Southeastern back home, right? In Lafayette, you turn into the dude that you always knew you could be at Lafayette and down to Southeastern playing for the Lions. And now you're in the USFL playing at one of the brand new franchises in the modern USFL, let's say, right? For the showboats. And one of the things that I really enjoy about that town is how much they love that team and and y'all frankly ain't give them a whole lot to root for the first couple of weeks and uh, they still kept showing up they got something like the yacht club going on over there yeah i wonder what it means for you to have the city of memphis behind you well it means everything i think it it means everything to our team too not just me um you know we like we said we were oh and two and then we had houston at home and you go oh and two you know you're thinking you know you know we got to win it's desperation, but you, you're not thinking that fans are going to show up. And, you know, it was still fans. We've had the most fans in any stadium I've been to in the USFL by far. And uh, they are fun. They are real fun. And we like to interact with them, and they're loud. And it makes a huge difference, man. It really does. I mean, that's it makes it exciting, you know, when people get tired throughout the game and stuff like that, and we hear them fans get loud. It, it, I mean, it gives you that, that, that extra – that extra boost that you need. And, uh, man, I can't say enough about it. Memphis is. It, it, it kind of reminds me of Louisiana, man. I swear. They're, they're Like you said, they're gritty over here, man. They love their sports. And, they, they you know, I, we feel the support, man. People love the showboats around here. And, you know, it's really made a difference, man. I mean, we're, and we're starting to win. And, you know, part of it has to do with the fans. I can see it, right? I'll add two things to that, right? The first one is, Memphis is undefeated when I'm in Memphis. I'm just uh, I'm gonna let y'all know. Well, you right? need to come back here. This weekend, then. Uh, the other part is it probably doesn't hurt you any that you beat up on Ole Miss and you play for Memphis because I can't think uh, of anybody they hate more than Ole Miss. Uh, Cole, uh, thank you so much for taking time to join us here on the number one college football show. Well, I appreciate you having me, man. God bless. That's going to do it for this episode of the number one college football show. My thanks to Cole Kelly for joining us for our USFL player interview of the week. Our lead producer is Tyler Wojak. Our senior producer is Catherine Donnelly. Our director is Gabe Sable. Our production assistant is Kiara Santana. Our social media maven is JB on Duncan. Our lead of screening is Jack Coakley. And when I do remember my name, I am RJ Young. I'm the host of the show. We'll see y'all next Wednesday. Deuces.